A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast. This is Robbie D, the Dead Poor Hitter. You can always catch me on the X Twitter machine at Dead Poor Hitter, the Poor Hitter Podcast itself at Poor Hitter Pod. And come check me out on the Patreon, patreon.com, search Poor Hitter Fantasy Baseball, or on my Twitter X profile. It's a pinned tweet that'll take you right to my account. And you get a free one week trial right now. Come check it out. You get free access to the discord but once you sign up for five bucks a month you get access to that discord there's people that draft right now we're all drafting we're discussing player evaluations draft strategies roster builds we're sharing draft boards a lot of great talk going on in mid-november but if you are someone who doesn't really start early in fantasy baseball that's okay come check it out you get a league you get ahead of your league mates if you're in a keeper league a dynasty league whatever we're just talking about player evaluations now you can Get ahead of the curve and and trying to figure out how you're going to attack this season. I'm um, doing player breakdowns for the five dollar tier. It's audio only for the for the upper tiers. You get a video version. I share my screen. I show my spreadsheets. What I'm looking at. Fun stuff. We're all learning. The Launch Angle Pod got rebooted yesterday. Every other podcast that we do in the Launch Angle Podcast will be public, and also the, the following week will be available on the Patreon only. So come check it out. A lot of stuff to offer. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into on the offseason player dive. It's just fun. Just really good to get the brain going. Talking about baseball all the time. So come check it out. Um, Randy Haynes, my guest today. Good friend of mine. We talk about the Baltimore Orioles. Andy's a huge, Randy's a huge Baltimore Orioles fan. And we get into the ADPs of, of, of some of the Orioles. Whether they're good, above, below the ADP expectations, what it looks like for the player depth on the team. And we also talk about all the crazy player moves yesterday, all the non-tenders, the arbitration signings, and all the trades and the fantasy implications behind that. So great chat today with Randy. Um, and also, if anyone has signed up for the NFC Champions League, that's fantastic. It's gaining steam. It's over 30. We're going to build this up all the way. If you haven't heard the episode three, about three episodes ago with Toby and Phil and Steve, but Toby, Beth, Gravy. Um, implemented, had a, not implemented, the NFC implemented the league, but Toby had this great idea to put together this championship league, and um, so excited for it. It's going to show the diversity 
of your skills playing in three different leagues and trying to get to that ultimate top 15 league, which will be played out in 2025. But um, just the excitement around this is really, I don't know, I am super excited about it. If you signed up for a main event and you haven't signed up for Draft Champions or the Online Championship or the Championship League Qualifier in general, you can DM me if you have any questions about it. Me and Toby have a Google Doc. You can also DM Toby at Baffled Crazy if you want to learn about it. Um, there's a Google Doc available on the NFPC Discord as well. If you go on to their page, you can find on Twitter, you can find their access to the Discord on the NFPC forums as well you can get all the rules if you have any questions dm me email me um it's awesome it's going to be so much fun so i hope the more people get involved with this it's just going to be really awesome so i hope you enjoy this episode of andy and have a great weekend all right welcome to the pole hitter podcast i'm rob d the dead pole hitter i'm here with my boy randy haynes what's up randy rob what's up glad to be back yeah glad to have you back i know you were just telling me you know take a nice little uh thaw out period after the season how's that going for you it's good i'm getting back in the swing of things uh i have to when the season ends i have to take a break i mean i just I, i'm burnt out i mean i know a lot of people like hopping into drafting and that's great works for them but i not a chance in hell you're gonna see me in a draft room like <laughs> you know the week after the season ends um or in the yeah. middle of August. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but that's different though, because you you're still your brain's working. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it's not it's not really any, any you're not really changing anything. Um, and you know, I watch the playoffs, and I was fortunate enough to go to well, fortunate slash unfortunate to go to one of the Orioles playoff games. I went to game two when they lost to Texas, but yeah, that must have been a cool. There. It was. Cool I mean, it was a great like atmosphere a, yeah, for about an inning and a half. Because um, it was because game well game one was the one where it was close the whole way and they yeah. lost three to two the game two they lost it was either eleven to eight or twelve to eight but it wasn't even that close like they yeah. had a three run home run in the eighth to make it like look respectable but it was it was still a great atmosphere like Kim Nero's was rocking even even when like they're down like seven and they get like a guy on second everybody's like you know start waving their towels like oh here it comes and I'm like yeah nah, it's 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 not about to turn around here but it's still <laughs> <laughs> I've been fortunate enough this last you know. I guess a little 12 years. Um, I've been to at least one home game of every series that they've had in the playoffs, which is easy to do when they've only had like four or five, but, but it's good though. I mean, it's great. still exciting times. Like, I don't know where you fall in the line of, um, you know, it's not a successful season unless you win the world series, you know, which I think is very it depends hard on because, expectations. It depends right. on expectations. Yeah. I mean, I, once you're there and then, and then it's like, all right, the Orioles lose to Texas and Texas wins the world series. And it's like, okay, you can look at it and be like, well, at least you lost to lose the world series. But then you see a team like the diamondbacks and it's like, they, that's the whole thing about the playoffs is like, they were one of the last teams in, if the Cubs don't have that collapse, they might not even get in and they're mm -hmm. in the world series. That's why it's like, you don't know how many opportunities, even with the expanded playoffs, you don't know how many opportunities are going to come around to, to, to get to the dance, you know, especially 100%. a team, especially a team like the Orioles that doesn't have, you know, an owner that's willing to, you know, spend what it takes every year to make sure they're at least relevant. But that's yeah. for another day. But yeah. yeah, I'm in a gladiator with you right now, a slow one. It's my first first one of the offseason. Um, gonna... How you feeling about that draft so far? Or about the flow of the draft? I, I think I had so glad my gladiators last year were absolutely terrible. Like I did three, I somehow cashed in one, but the other two, like I, I they were non-competitive okay and i think i had a little more of a plan now because i a lot of people were feeling out the format and i think the way to go is is to just kind of go heavy bats at the beginning and then your pitchers maybe just you can take a little more risk than you can in a fab league obviously you'll see with 
you know, the staff that I built, but like, as long as they're good innings, um, I think the mistake I made last year is I had, I'm thinking, Oh, I need the innings. Let me get Drew Smiley and Carlos Carrasco and those guys to round, to round out my staff. Um, and they'll, they'll get me the innings. And it's like, no, they actually just freaking killed me. The one <laughs> the my staff that did the best of the three last year was the one that had the least amount of innings because everybody got hurt. But the guys that were, you know, that were still in there were at least giving me quality innings. So I'm hoping I did that here. Did you um, think about like just using that picks now on like middle reliever types um instead of getting you know 120 shaky innings possibly or or like or or even 150 i don't know because like i fall both ways like it is a volume type of format so like yeah maybe you want 150 innings from jameson tyon and marcus stroman which they're probably Mm going to be solid right they're going to be dependable they're going to get out there but at the same time is it better to go get um 100 innings from mason miller uh that yeah i think for this probably better right yeah, I think it probably is better to get the 100 innings that you think are, have a chance to be better. But I, I think the middle, maybe not just a pure middle reliever, but just a, a really good reliever that you could at least see a somewhat easy pathway to them to getting a few saves. 100%. I think that would be better than your... No one really took any, like... I'm looking through our drafts here. No one really took any, like, just dogs that are not going to really pro- produce much, at least... At least I don't think so. Um, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. be taking like the smileys of this whoever whoever this year's Drew Smiley is. That's like uh, you know you're in your redraft. Like he's like your SP eight or nine. I'm not. I'm not. At least I don't think that's going to be the way to go for Gladiators this year. Right, Drew Smiley is, is the perfect draft champions guy because mm-hmm. on the right matchups or when yep. he's coming out of the pen and he's throwing good innings, he's a good guy to plug in on matchups. But in Gladiators, it could definitely you know drag you. Down, which is why I'm not opposed to taking the quote unquote more of the injury starters, right? Mm-hmm. The glass now, the Scherzers uh, types, yep. because um, if they give you 120 of their, you know, of their stellar innings, it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. And I see, I think we see that too. You know, like I was looking at my fab teams and the gladiator teams or even the draft champions, like how much added, obviously we add volume that we need to catch up to other people, but, but we add a lot of bad stats <laughs> to <Yeah>. our <laughs> rosters and it's really yeah. nuts. So, but in this, in this format is, uh, it's, to, it's totally different, but um, yeah, and I kind of did that. Like, I, th- I mean, Chris Sale is obviously not what he used to be, but I still think last year we saw that he's still capable of pitching very well when he's yes. healthy. And I know mm-hmm. I'm not getting 170 innings out of Chris Sale, but for if he can give me, even last year, if he can just repeat what it was last year, I think that's perfectly fine around 13. I took Eflin, who's you know obviously never going to breach you know 30 couple starts with his kind of his past injuries, but you know when he's out there, he's he's good. Michael King, I'm not 100% sure what's even really going to happen with him. I know the Yankees <laughs> say he's going to be in the rotation. I don't – He he's one of those where I took him here because I'm like, if he is – in spring training rolls around and it's obvious that he's going to have a crack at the rotation, his price is going to go up because the skills are, are through the roof. Yes. So that was kind of a little bit there. But I know even if he is back and forth, if he's back and forth maybe between the rotation and the bullpen, the innings are going to be great regardless. So that helps a little better here. So that's kind of why I did 100%. there. 100%. I like that. Um, Willie Adamas, round 12, man. It's, I mean, he just yeah, went last, last yeah, time I was draft in, in way in the 200s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't think he's this poor of a player where he's getting drafted. He's still no, the ball hard, right? I mean, he's still yeah. going to play every day. Babbitt was um, down last year. Yeah. Right. And he might get traded to a, like a, maybe a better situation for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I really like the Taylor Ward grab too in round 14. I, you know, mm-hmm. I just think that's a really stable skill set for that mm-hmm. late in the draft. Talk to me about Jordan Lawler. Um, Cause I think there's a, like there may be a pocket of, profit in post type players that are, are former you know or former and still top prospects in the game where we're maybe not sure of the playing time mm-hmm. but i don't know i kind of think i took him in one gladiator as well and i kind of feel like he should have the pathway to pt like kind of what they did with carol right they gave him that cup of tea but they weren't competing two years ago Oh, they gave mm-hmm. Carroll like runway, run, yeah. right? But like last year, they were being choosy because they were trying to make the playoff, trying to you know get in and be competitive. And I just do think that either him or Adomo slides over to third, and he gets some run. And at that point, if he does get a full season of plate appearances, I think where he's going right now in some drafts, like really might be profitable, right? Yeah, I, I, it's easy to look at their depth chart right now and say, well, obviously he's one of their starting infielders. There's still moves to be made, obviously. But I f- I think even if he doesn't break camp with the club, he's going to be up at some point. And I, I think the chances of him now, though, are, are breaking the camp with the, cl- with the club are a little higher because they just had it happen, like you said, with Carroll. They called him up for a little bit. He breaks camp with the club. He wins rookie of the year. They get this extra draft pick. Now, I'm not saying Lawler is going to be a favorite right off the jump for NL Rookie of the Year, but it wouldn't be the most you know ridiculous thing in the world that he's in contention for that next year. So 100%. they're going to be, I mean, you know, it will, you know, right before that was Jackson Holiday went. And I know we're going to talk about the Orioles, but kind of the same thing. I mean, Gunnar breaks camp with the club. They He wins Rookie of the Year. They get the extra draft pick. I don't see why they wouldn't do it with Jackson Holiday. It could have even happened two years ago with Rutschman if he wasn't hurt. Maybe he doesn't beat out J-Rod, but he at least would have been... True, you know, in the running, and I think it, these teams are like so they're operating how what edge can we get? And it's like, okay, that getting that extra pick, you know, depending on how many comp picks there are and depending on how many rookie of the years that qualify there are, to just get basically a free pick that's between what is it going to be 34 and 40, something like that, mm-hmm. depending on how many comp picks there are and the competitive balance picks. But I mean, that's they're going to do it I, unless they unless they stumble into somebody that's like a true legit player in the middle infield. I I think he's got a really good shot at breaking breaking camp with the club, and that was really the first kind of true playing time risk dice that I rolled um, with my hitting. I mean, you could say Tatis, you know, with his injuries, and then same thing even with like a Ward or a Hayes. But like when those guys are healthy, they're not in question for playing time. Right, hundred percent. That's they're where I was like, okay, like you're gonna have a you're gonna have a couple of dead spots one way or the other with your hitting and gladiators anyway for extended points of the season. So I'd rather take somebody with that upside here when I have a pretty pretty safe stable core of hitting stats already banked. So your round twenty one comes around. Um, yeah, past <laughs> past pick three hundred. No, and and, yeah. and you know we just had this discussion on launch angle yesterday um about byron buxton um Mm -hmm. and it's such an interesting phenomenon you know because it's a highly skilled player that you know doesn't qualify for outfield right now so he's slotting at util but at the same time at pick 300 Mm -hmm. um even in a limited data set right even if 100 games from this spot 
might give you what more um, what some full timers do give you from this spot. Is that how you felt with that pick? I I, I kind of looked at it as I, you know I kind of explained a little with the Lawler pick. Yep. Where I had a good bit of stats banked, and it's like if he just if he does what he did last year, he's worth this pick, even with the crappy batting average. I mean that, and if he's not gonna play, I mean, well, it's not even a question. He's not gonna play a full season. That if he does have a bad batting average again, it doesn't hurt as bad if it's in his three hundred fifty plate appearances as compared to you know five hundred and fifty. Right. That's kind of where that pick was, and I've never really been a, a huge uh, Buxton guy. I, I think I've only really ended up with him maybe like once in his entire career. Cause it just never works out for me where I'm buying in on that season. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's for gladiators. It's tough because he is UT only and you don't have the ability to obviously move anything around. Right. But for right. his price is not going to be down here for one more drills around. I don't, as long, unless he has some kind of crazy injury in spring training. I mean, it's going to go up because especially if he's, if they're talking about, okay, he can play the outfield. He's even taking reps in spring training games in the outfield. It'll, I'm not going to say he's going to be back in around, you know, six or seven, but it's not going to be around 21 either. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially if we're uh, first video of him running or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll Catching get... a fly ball. Like, oh, Buxton, no one has ever caught a fly ball like the way he just caught this fly ball in the history. It's crazy, of though. His last two seasons, <laughs> 729 plate appearances and a 216 average. I think that's the thing that yeah. really stuck with me is, like, the power is there and the speed is mm-hmm. gone. But he's, uh, I mean, not 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 gone, gone. I mean, he did go nine for nine last year. So, And he's 15 for his last 15. So if he wants to do it, it's there for him mm-hmm. um, just if he's healthy enough to do it. But the, you know, the, the average profile really kind of um, stuck with me. A little bit like when I was looking at his three-year thing, you know, it's like, man, this is this is interesting. Um, and it's actually down to like a 239 career hitter. It's like you wouldn't think mm-hmm. that about you know Byron Buxton. He's just gotten mm-hmm. more fly ball happy as yeah. years going on because he knows he's got that crazy power that very right. few guys in the league have, but he's yep. almost gone too far in that direction and not and I don't know that they would tell him like don't hit the ball on the ground because we and try to beat it out because you're going to get hurt. I don't think they would tell him that, but I mean, it's not like it's, I guess it's not completely impossible. They, they give him this huge contract. And part of the reason why he earned that contract was defense. And then he played zero games in the outfield last year. And they never really said a hundred percent why. So I guess it wouldn't be the craziest thing that would be like, nah, no, man, you can't be beat. No, what are you doing trying to beat out a ground ball, you know, to shortstop? What the hell are you I, doing? But <laughs> I played softball, you know, with a guy who's sick third baseman, hands, uh, he everything, everything he reached, he was slow moving, slow footed, but he sucked up everything and he, he was the best hitter, a super, super good hitter. And, um, but he couldn't run. He was always hurt. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. He always tried to go yard, so he didn't have to run. And yeah. uh, we encouraged it. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah, man, or, I know this is not softball, but or uh, even legging out a double, even trying to like turn a double, you know, into a triple for something that he like rakes down the line or something. I mean, yeah, like, no. no, you can, we would, you can jog around the bases when you he'd hit a ball in the gap and we just scream stop it first stop it first like don't even try don't worry about it like we got you we'll we'll get you over you know um but that's funny yeah it's been interesting draft um i enjoy doing these gladiators so much because it's getting i love the 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 quick thinking especially in the fast draft too like you you're forcing yourself to make decisions now that i figure i feel like when main event comes around or online championships later on in the season. It's just so nice to really have that mm-hmm. 
practice already. Um, yeah. And again, it's it's far away. It's five months away from now, but um, it's it, it, it's good. It's a, but it's, it's only a good... been a few months since you've had you know kind of live bullets, so to speak, instead of like an entire calendar year. You know, correct before the gladiators. Hundred percent. I know they would have the uh, the live DCs, but that's that's more of like a marathon. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And those two, like, yeah, yep, yep. All it takes for those express DCs is. If you don't have like a firm grasp or a firm like list of targets in the later mm-hmm. rounds, you, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be stretching that clock out. And that's the biggest thing. I think that the, the biggest thing last year, too, I got into an express draft. I normally do very well in them. Um, and I was just in a room with my friends and guys who play a lot of DCs and they they were just ready. The picks were being made so much more quicker than I normally have seen it made in an express DC. And it just mm-hmm. made it, you know, made it challenging. Like you really have to have, uh, cause I, I pick 43 round 43, you're already, you know, far into it. And you're like, Oh shit. Like I, I can't wait for this to be over already. <laughs> and so you have to have that lined up already. But, um, what was your biggest lesson learned for 2023 in fantasy, Randy? I'm still kind of working that out. I think for me personally, it was just how how much even early in the season, like trying to grind out at bats matters. There's Because there's that fine line between I need to give this guy that I believed in on draft day some extra rope, you know, before you start cutting bait. But then yep. are you also losing out on production for – and not even so much like – you know, like a McLean that gets caught up. I'm just talking about just like this guy is a good play for the first half of this week and trying to go for more of those guys sooner in the season, you know, mm-hmm. than, than I have been. Cause I usually am like, I got to give, it's still, it's still kind of like stuck in my brain that you have, it's a long, it's a six month season. You have to give these guys time that you, especially the higher that you take them. And I, I need to start. I, 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 some, in one way or the other, I need to start trying to, get to streaming hitters sooner in the season and not waiting until, you know, like Memorial day, you know, to start right. really to look into that. But mm-hmm. again, like there's that fine line of not giving up on a guy too soon because of a couple, you know, you know, a couple weeks at the beginning of the season that aren't, that aren't what you expected for. That's been the biggest thing for me, but there's no, uh, until the season rolls around, there's nothing really in the off season I can do for that. Right. I need to. Right. And I guess the other thing is, I, I really spent time like last off season, like really trying to just come up with, with especially pitching, pitching ranks on my own and not trying to have outside information come in. And then I did okay. that and I didn't like fully trust it. Cause I was like, all right, I think I know what this is. So I'm now taking the time to go back. I saved what my final list was and I never touched it after my final draft. And now I'm going to go back and seeing like, all right, was this, did the, where, where, where I need to tweak this process to have it come out. Cause I had, what I came up with was was it was pretty solid, but then there was a couple guys like it had Andrew Heaney like way too high, and I'm like, well, I'm not taking Andrew Heaney at all. <laughs> now that he's not with the Dodgers, so I need to kind of go back and, and look into that and see and see is it okay? And if I just know there's a situation, I'm like all right, it's good for most pitchers, and then you get your Heaney's or whatever. So that's going to be the big offseason thing for me is going back and trying to tweak what that was. Those are probably the two biggest things that I learned, and I have you know a couple of leagues that really just came down to the final week. And I have to, I have to remember that if I have, if I have a team that's, you know, in like seventh or eighth in July, 
and it's still still plenty of time left because right. leagues are still going to swing to the last couple of days. You know, and people are everybody on podcasts and on Twitter and stuff. They harp on that, but it's really like until you're in it, you have to keep reminding yourself. Like, just keep going, just keep going. You still got plenty of time. Great, it's a such a great um, such a great reminder. I, I totally agree with that, man. Especially if you have two, um, you know, guys who just have had extreme low end of their projection or their performance in that first two or three months. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way baseball works out, it's the season of halves, season of months. And I did that like on, I, I tried to do that a little bit more um, with my team to share my 15 team leagues. When I was looking at, all right, these guys are on the performing. Is it real? Is it not real? And it's like, you kind of remind yourself, you bring up the preseason projection you bring up you know like you look at their stats you look at rolling average graphs i think it's always really good to help you just kind of forecast like no i you know i'm gonna stick with it this is bound to blossom um and like toby baffled crazy always talks about that the variance in player performance Mm -hmm. and like just because they're doing bad for the first two months doesn't mean they can't explode the next two months and what sometimes happens and a lot of my teams too like i think it's good to realize that too it's like oh man i just made this bump up into the into the standing, like, what did I do? Like, I didn't pick up anyone. It's just because your players started to perform. Like, yeah. instead of getting 11 homers a week, now you're getting 17, and that's huge. You know, that that adds up, um, especially in 12-team leagues, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, too, like what you mentioned about moving on quicker. and like and, At least be more and, willing to bench a guy yeah, for a yes. period if, he, if it's not happening or if you don't like the matchups and going for somebody that you're only wanting for a week – but if his matchups are better that week, then you're, you know, 12th round hitter. You need yep. to just do that. So I, I need to get better at that. But there's really, unfortunately, nothing I can, other than just telling myself to do that, you know, next season, yep. there's really nothing I can do about that in the offseason. So it's more just, you know, just trying to build a plan and and kind of seeing how things seeing how things shake out. And I guess the one thing, and I know I did this last year, I know this happens to a lot of people when they get to like to their fab leagues not letting who I've already drafted in gladiators, like sink in like, <laughs> Oh, I've got too much of whoever. Cause it's on my gladiators. I just need to act like they didn't even happen. I need to completely wipe the slate clean. I have no shares of anybody when I sit down for my first you know, fab draft in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, definitely, definitely. And that's why I think right now too. And like, if you're going to do like three, four gladiators or whatever, it's just, have some fun with it too like mm-hmm. you know be like be rigid in your process but like not rigid enough to where you're not gonna you know try some different builds um uh jason dupont like had the best line i was talking to him and it's like i really enjoy making myself like feel uncomfortable at some point in the draft and the gladiators because mm-hmm. it's fun to see what you can try to enable your way out of or you know like start start with a you know four starting pitchers and see how you could do from that or start with five hitters and see how you can do from that again it, i know everyone has their different um you know draft cost that they can but you know if you're going to pay a 350 dollars oc you, you know you're really not going to you know fuck around but mm-hmm. you know if you're going to do three or four or fifty dollar gladiators maybe on one or two teams you can be yeah. more creative or just be more willing to you know try something that's uh really not 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 conventional like well and the good thing about that we talked about this a little before we started recording the the thing that i'm that i like about gladiators more than draft champions is i'm spending time in gladiators on the on the people on the players that are going to matter come fab drafts (laughs) you know like 
the time that I'm that I'm spending agonizing over my round 47 pick should in probably big picture, but that time should be spent making sure I know where I'm going rounds, you know, 11, 12, 13, which is good. Yeah. What's going to matter, you know, come March, not, you know, what crap reliever I think might get three saves this year versus <laughs> this prospect that might not even get called up. And it's like, and that stuff's fun. Like, I, I know it's fun, but it I is. know like big picture to have another, to try to keep having successful seasons. I'm better off spending that time on the players that I'm actually going to be drafting in March and the players that, you know, aren't even on anybody's draft board. Such a good point. I'm just like, who's the next Gregory Santos or some <laughs> stupid thing like that. I'm wasting time on. You're right. You're right. That's yeah. We point. don't know who the great, I mean, we didn't you, yeah, there's going to be a Gregory Santos <laughs> this year, but we don't know who that's going to be. And there's no point in December trying to agonize over who that's going to freaking be. I know, especially now the signings are coming out. So that's what we're going to pivot to right now. Um, yesterday was a big, big day um, for, for MLB moves. Um, there was some trades. There was some guys that avoided arbitration and signed some deals. And 63 non-tenders yesterday, which is pretty nuts. Um, the yeah. good thread on it on by several people on Twitter. But, you know, first-round picks, uh, all-star players, um, a lot of – a couple of the snaps that I really took was that a lot of relief pitchers who just threw a ton of like high usage innings last season and just like just shipped out. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's part of me too. Is like, man, it's just like, obviously it's a business, Tough but it's life. just really yeah. brutal. Like for, for guys to, you know, play so long on a minimum salary and then they go through arbitration. It's just so long to get the free agency. And then like, and then it's like, Hey man, we like, we really like that you threw 70 innings for us SJ and, we abused you on back-to-back days, but yeah. we don't yeah. want you on the team anymore. <laughs> here's a fruit. Here's a fruit basket on the way out. <laughs> here's a fruit basket. Yeah, I hope there's. I hope there's good fruit in it, man. Yeah. You could give me some, not like a, a a generic fruit basket. I want mango, watermelon. You know, I want some good fruit. Nah, they man. just they just picked up the first yeah. thing inside the door at the oh. local grocery store. The first oh, thing, like right fucking red delicious <laughs> apples and just like something so bland that has no flavor. Um, but yeah, so fairly crazy day. But let's start with some trades. Um, and I want to start with this Nick Anderson to Casey last uh, one first because last night did a fast gladiator. He went in the 22nd round of the gladiator, which is next to last round. Um, I guess, you know, trying to see if he's going to be the next closer in Kansas City. But what's your thoughts on this right now? Obviously, this is really early um, in the offseason, but we saw the Royals scoop up. Again, I'm not comparing of all the Chapman to Nick Anderson, but we saw them do this kind of thing last season. Chapman was really good. They got Reagans out of it. Again, they probably won't get another Cole Reagans, but how do you feel about this move? Do you think he's at least in the discussion for possible closer? Because uh, James MacArthur, who was the 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 closer for the yeah. last two weeks for the Royals <laughs> last season. He's been a very popular pick, which I think he's actually one of the worst picks right now in draft champions. Um, yeah, that's he's wild. going like, yeah, he's too aggressive. Um, yeah, going way, like two hundred. Yeah, if, if right? he's if if the death chart still looks the way that it does, come March, sure, go wild with with MacArthur, but. It's November. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that can happen, and you just, you just took, you know, a starting pick essentially, you know, one of your the core of your team, especially in a DC, and just, I mean, there's a scenario where you never use that guy this year, or if you 100%. do use him, it's because you have he's one of the nine healthy active pitchers you had that week. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, but I, I mean, back to Anderson. I mean, yeah, good. 
I, I don't, I mean, it would be great if the 2019, 2020 Anderson came back with his, you know, ridiculous, like 20% swing strike rate and 30, 36% K minus BB for those two years. That would be amazing. I don't, I, if you're, if anyone thinks that's in the, you know, like a likely outcome, they should be taking him, you know, in round like 10, but I don't think you can comfortably project that right now. Even if he does what he did last year, there's, I mean, he might immediately be the best reliever in that bullpen, or at least one of them. I think the problem is, is he hasn't pitched in a major league game since the beginning of July. And with his injury history, and we just kind of have to wait for spring training. I mean, for a gladiator, I think it's not a it's not a terrible pick for I don't know if it's something that I would do because there's a chance you get like no innings. I mean, he's either hurt or maybe he's you know, he's just not effective and they have to send him to the minors or DFA him or whatever. But he's at least not going to hurt you. He just may not contribute anything because um, if he does if he is healthy, he's going to be pitching. He's going to be pitching well and maybe he gets saved. But there's a scenario where that pick is unfortunately literally a zero. So I, I just think it's something that everybody should be monitoring, obviously someone with his even like I said even the guy he was last year with Atlanta if that guy is the Royals closer that's going to be not only be 20 saves but it's going to be is going to be good innings when he's out there yeah no I agree um he uh, like you mentioned those skills that he that he showed in in 2019 2020 um you don't have to expect that to come back I don't yeah think he's are, one of the but... best he was one of the best relievers in baseball period those yep. that you know 2019 and then the short season and great point too that you know that he hasn't pitched since July seventh. Um, he was used thirty five games, thirty five innings. He worked back to back games four times. So again, not having to pitch in only you know twenty two innings since twenty nineteen that may have had an effect on his arm. Still had a you know nice um, league average swing and strike rate eleven point seven. K to walk was fine. The Sierra was fine. He like. The skills he had last year can be closer worthy, but I think, like you said, it's just maybe just a little bit concerned mm-hmm. about his workload and can he make it over the course of the season. Um, that's totally valid, and yeah, I, I would think like you know with with guys like what Taylor Clark, um, Carlos mm-hmm. Hernandez showed that I, I I don't think that he's gonna be able to cut out the closer game. Taylor Clark, James. MacArthur, those are the guys that he'll have to. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not of, crazy to think that he would be the best, the best reliever in that bullpen right away. But yep. we just kind of have to wait to see it. So, all right. So, if you're knowing his injury history and the fact that he's really not—I mean, they gave up nothing for him. So, if he's not effective or if he's injured, they can just cast him back off. If, if let's say price is the same, call it round. MacArthur's going to drop. Anderson's going to rise. Call it round like thirty-three. Which one would you rather have right now? MacArthur or Anderson? MacArthur at pick two, like two, like he's going. No, no, no. I'm saying he's going to, MacArthur's going to drop. MacArthur's obviously going to drop now in price. Anderson's going to rise. Let's say they meet in the middle. Same price, call it round, whatever round you want to pick, 33, whatever. Which one would you rather have if price was the same? Nick Anderson. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at too, because he's, yeah. He's either going to, I think he's one of those guys. He's either going to be good or he's going to be hurt. Right, right. And I think even um, like right now in the draft champions, like even if he's the closer for half a season or just for the beginning and then he get, maybe let's say he makes it through the whole season. Right. But then they do the same thing as they did with Chapman. They used him. They he's good. Some team wants to mm-hmm. trade for him. They trade for Nick Anderson and you just bank whatever. Twelve saves from let's just say he goes pick 300, which I don't know if he I don't know. I think I think. 
I think he's going to get a lot of helium <laughs> right now in draft. Yeah. I just, I just think he's going to. Yeah, um, I mean that's probably the first. That was probably the first gladiator he went in, right? I'm assuming. I'm sure no one in the previous gladiators took him before last night. Yeah, not the completed ones. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure maybe there's some going right now that he might, yeah. he might have, uh, you know, because that's that's the thing about the slow draft. You know. Oh, I'm actually coming. I'm coming up here a little bit in the gladiator that we're doing. So I can. I have one reliever out here that I would rather have, but maybe a, you know. Maybe we're talking, Maybe talking myself into it. Don't I know, could, like I said, I know it could be a zero. I know it could be a zero. It could definitely yeah. be a zero. But maybe we'll. Uh, it's so actually, yeah. Right? So you and the guy uh, picking next to you can't take another pitcher. So we can. So I can. I can. T- I can give this whole thought process to you. You can't do anything about it. I can't do anything <laughs> about it, man. I can't take away my last yeah. round Marcus yeah. Stroman to throw a Nick Anderson in there. <laughs> Uh, that's so interesting all right let's move on to the atlanta braves trading kyle wright to the royals for jackson kowar um wright is on the shelf for the season with shoulder surgery um i guess a lot of people are wondering why the royals would even do this um in general (laughs) but i guess first i'll ask you if you think Kowar will have any significant value for the braves this season um and you know what you make of this trade in general I mean, probably not, but I'm at least more interested in him in the Atlanta organization than I was in Kansas City. You know, I, I think in a perfect world for the Braves, if this offseason goes, you know, about the way they think it's going to go, that he, you know, maybe he's like the 26th guy for a doubleheader a couple of times this year. But I think it, they are probably assuming they're not going to rely on him at all. But if they can get him in and maybe fix a couple of things and and get him back to where his talent could possibly lead him to, it's is definitely interesting. Something that people need to keep on the radar. And he's, you know, you can obviously make work worse uh, DC picks at the end. So I'm definitely more interested than him than I was when he was in Kansas city. Yeah. And then the right part, I mean, there's nothing to action with on that. He's not going to pitch this year. You know, we'll see what, we'll see if he's even on the Royals in, in 25. It's, it's definitely a weird thing. They must like really, really like him and think maybe there's a chance they can, they're going to have a need for him in 2025, which might be, yeah, they might be reaching a little bit with that, but yeah, just, I'd rather see Coar in Atlanta than Kansas city, but I'm, it's not changing anything for me for draft season. Yeah. I'm interested to see, um, I'm interested to see how they treat Coar too. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's just a guy they call up, you know, for depth reasons, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. double header. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just work on whatever they need to work on with him to try to make him um a, a decent pitcher um seems to be just like just got that really high walk problem you know and it's yeah. it's mirrored in the ball percentage too he has trouble throwing strikes but um maybe atlanta simplifies it for him maybe they just give him a different approach um but yeah I, I i don't think i think he's gonna be a lot more exciting to other um players right now in draft champion than he is to me i'll i'll mm-hmm. wait to see what he's gonna do in the season and maybe pick him up during the season if he gets a chance to pitch but right and now they might even just atlanta might even decide that dude you're a reliever now you know don't even don't right. even think about trying to start that maybe that's how they view it. maybe they view him as a down the road piece uh, for the bullpen or you know maybe somebody that they can work with and as injuries happen through the season then they can go to him then they might that might even be the movement if that's the case he's not going to sniff saves so he'd be he wouldn't be usable at that point yep yeah i agree um just yeah again just poor walk metrics it's something though too that you know i know jeff Dimmerman covered about 
starting pitchers like actually improving their walk rates coming from the minors into the majors because they're not using the ABS, you know, and it's just a different, um, different because normally it mm-hmm. flips in the other way. It's a, the walk percentage goes up. Um, so I don't know if they're just going to again yeah. try to. He's also, he's also someone that before the automated ball system was uh, just was couldn't. had walk issues. So I don't yeah. think, I mean, you could put whatever you put, whatever computer system, you know, whatever monitoring system you want there. And he's, he's going to have trouble finding the plate. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's move over to the Boston Red Sox. I think there's an interesting trade. They traded Luis Urias to the Mariners for reliever Isaiah Campbell. And this kind of, I know they talked about possibly trying to improve their up the middle second base, um, Battery with Trevor Story from Urias, Valdez, and um, Pablo Reyes. But do you think this kind of cements maybe one of Valdez or Reyes? And does it give them like any more value for you, let's just say, in a draft and hold right now? Or do you think they're still looking to upgrade his position? I think, yeah. I mean, um, Jeff had a mining notes somewhat recently where they yep. they don't view really, including Arias, um, they didn't really view any of these guys as like none of them had run away with the job yet so that they would look elsewhere to try to bring in somebody to play at the middle with story, either at second or short. But I, I mean, plenty of teams go into an off season with a plan. And then for one reason or another, it doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. I think now that there's only two of them instead of three of them, it's definitely, it, it's definitely more on my radar. I, I think if either guy, if either guy had the job and it wasn't a platoon, because that's the other thing, you got to Reyes is switch and Valdez is lefty. I mean, they could easily just make that a platoon. But if if one guy takes hold of the job, it would at least be interesting as a, you know, as a streamer, depending on matchups, or he could even be like your bench middle guy with some flexibility and maybe not, probably not in a twelve, but definitely in a fifteen. I think as a for fantasy players, we would rather see Valdez win it. I mean, not that Reyes is a nothing, but I think Valdez definitely has a little more, just a little more juice across the board. And he's the younger of the two. He's 24 compared to 30 for Reyes. So if it's Valdez, I'm interested. Um, But I I don't, I I still don't think there's much actionable right this second because they could easily just go get somebody else and, and render both of them useless. Yeah, that's, um, I, I would agree with you. I feel like the, it, it's definitely now that it's two, I have a little bit more interest at, and at least trying to focus on one of them to, to see if they have value. I mean, Valdez, Valdez is pretty interesting. Like right now, if you bring up Steamer 600, um, yeah, he pops. Yeah. 20, and, you know, 20 and 10, yeah. the 23% K rate, nine and a half percent walk rate. That's good. 98 WRT plus. Um, yeah. Ray is still a 13, 15 player on the Steamer 600. Again, with good plate discipline as well. Um, they actually both grayed out better than Trevor Story mm-hmm. in terms of WRC plus, which is pretty wild. wild making yeah. me feel like really shitty about my picking of uh Trevor Story. But Valdez last year, um, you know, 149 plate appearances with Boston and did pretty well to this. Yeah, he uh, was a he was a popular stream, I think, at a couple different times last season, late in right. the second half. So yeah. I yeah. like I said, if either one of them takes control of the job, they're gonna be semi-interesting. I think I don't think it's, I think it's safe to say we'd rather see Valdez take it, Yeah. but either, either as long as one of them takes it, I think that's, that's, that's going to be good for, for us with the player pool and all. So, right. But Ari- I mean, oh, God, sorry, God. No, no, I was just going to flip to uh, Arias. I just can't, I, a couple of years ago, I was excited about him and I know I wasn't the only one, but I just can't believe kind of how this, oh. how his career's just kind of gone down 
kind of gone down this path here. I mean, he's going to be most likely, I would imagine, short side platoon with Rojas. I would think so. I mean, I I think that's the perfect pairing with Rojas because Rojas is definitely strictly a platoon bat and it just found like they found their pairing. Like they found another guy that can, um, I mean, how many guys do they have like this now? Dylan Moore, right? Rojas. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, maybe he's, maybe he isn't the, maybe he isn't the short side guy. Maybe it still is more. Right. It's just, or even just, like a Haggerty. Haggerty was finding um, some time in the infield as well. And all over, they're just like building an ensemble of these multi-positional players. Um, yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. I, I don't know what happened. Um, Urias, I, I I still was a sucker for him last year, even when he got mm -hmm. some PT with Boston. I was like, hey, yeah, I'm yeah, still, yeah. Back, I don't know, baby. you know, it's still, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still, you know, it's still a guy who's had uh, OPS 789, 739 mm -hmm. in 2021, 2022. Yeah. WRC, and he's kind of got that swing that could fit that park nicely, but right, this is just right, wasn't meant to be. Doesn't chase, um, got good contact. It's just and strong power rates and it's just like what happened like what's going on with him is he some kind of bag of shit in the clubhouse we don't know about i don't know yeah, you know but really hard to say um or he maybe doesn't want to listen to coaching i mean could be could be um all right let's move over to the padres trading scott barlow to the indian for Enel de los santos um i thought there was a slight possibility that barlow would be kind of in the running for uh, closer with the Padres before they announced that they had no money and they were taking out loans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, yeah. maybe not. Maybe they will try to trade him. I don't think he's a threat to um, Class A at all, but maybe he becomes an option for next up, you know? Yeah. Um, so maybe he's a good late. If he gets back to what he was, you know, two, three years ago. Right. And then all the of a sudden he's the super obvious guy if something happens to Class A. But I kind of, I don't know. I Wouldn't you rather... Do you even, especially when you factor in the salary, wouldn't you just rather have, if you're a major league team, wouldn't you just rather have De Los Santos? I, he's cheaper and he might just flat out be better. It's I at least the conversation totally, that he's better. It, <laughs> it's definitely in the conversation. Like, like you said, he's cheaper when, when he's, um, when, trade was brought up i went to go look at the numbers and i'm like mm -hmm. oh mike he's not that bad i mean maybe yeah. he's um i don't know uh does got a decent walk rate nine and a half percent i mean it's a little high but it's nothing i don't know seems like across the board a very average reliever um at worst and yeah. like and that's said, a cheaper, younger. Get, yeah that's assuming barlow can get remotely back i mean there were times last year where barlow couldn't get anybody out you know so right. there's no guarantee he becomes usable again so Right, right, and 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 the um, I think at least for now it bumps Suarez up right for San Diego because now he doesn't really, he's got even less competition. Oh yeah, yeah. And especially he's, if they're not going to go out and spend any kind of real money. I would agree. Yeah, he's definitely. Um, we just have to, I guess, just figure out if if you trust the skills for him. You know, if he's going to be closer worthy. Um, I you know where he's going to go. I think that's the thing for me. Maybe I'm not like, oh, well, is he? A concrete rock solid reliever closer. He definitely has, I think, some issues with control and walking. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, and like you mentioned with with Cleveland, it's no guarantee that Barlow even steps up into the next guy because Stefan is really good. Eli Morgan yeah. is capable yeah. as a high leverage guy. Um, Henches was really good as well, so they have their options um, in the pen. Um, and yeah, Suarez. I mean, I don't know, man. 
he could be like that Estevez range from last year, maybe. You know, if if assuming they don't add anything else and it looks like he's the guy. I think I think he's gonna be more aggressively drafted than than Estevez. Higher than that, yeah. I okay. think so. I think so. I mean, what? Um, I feel like lately he's he's been he's been flying off the board. Um, it's two forty two right now, so that's kind of like where Estevez was. So yeah, that's good. As low as one sixty six. Um, but I think last night, last night in the fast draft, he he went he went in the one fifties, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if I'm gonna be going up that high for him. Um. I don't know. Maybe I have to do a little deeper dive into the surface stuff, but it seems just like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be that rock solid guy that I feel comfortable with around there. But um, all right. How about this one now? Miami Marlins trade for Vidal Brujan and Calvin Foucher. They trade away Eric Lara, who's a DSL player, and Andrew Lindsay, the complex league player. But what's your thoughts on Brujan moving to the uh, Marlins now, who've now gotten Xavier Edwards and Bruhan from the mm-hmm. Rays, collecting their uh, usual assortment of multi-eligible infielders, soft hitting but fast. Um, yeah. Do you still do you have any faith in Bruhan at the major league level, aside from like what we think he or know he can do once he gets on? Can he get on to be? Yeah, I, I just kind of don't. I kind of think he can't play at the major league level. I mean, there's, I mean, I know he's been kind of jerked around up and down and not always had set playing time. Um, but the razor, I mean, I I think it's safe to say the Rays know what they're doing. So if they felt he could contribute at an, as an everyday player, you know, they would have done it. Um, and I, at first I'm like, okay, well he'll run wild on the Marlins. And then I look and I, I, in my head, the Marlins were one of those teams, you know, that was, always near the top of the league in stolen bases. And they were not last year. Now, part of that is they held, they're kind of really outside of like jazz and birdie, you know, Dale Cruz has got a little athleticism, but for the most part, they're kind of built like a softball team. <laughs> you know, they just, so I don't know if that's so much more is like Schumacher changed things when he came over, you know, in terms of their aggressiveness on the base pass. But if he ends up with a job somehow, you know, he's obviously going to be interesting because of the speed, but I'm just not, he's, I'd actually would rather, I think if you made me choose, I'd rather see Edwards get the run than Bruhan. Um, they're both probably like the Spider-Man meme, but maybe, you know, kind of one of those things where we've seen Bruhan stink. We haven't really seen Edwards stink, you know, as you know, at the major league level. So I'm, I'm for the most part, I'm not really all that interested in Bruhan. Yeah, I'm not either, honestly. Um, and I know hard hit stuff isn't the end all be all because it isn't. Um, there's a lot of other factors, but he hasn't hit a ball in the majors over 107. And again, it's only 272 plate appearances, and it could take, you know, uh, I know that's why people fault Max EV because all it takes is one, but um, mm-hmm. it's just not really there. Average yeah. velocity, 85 and a half. Um, <laughs> barreled four balls in his career. That's he hits that's like just, a backup catcher. He he hits maybe maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's just really poor. And um, you know, what he he's a he's a switch hitter, right? Um, mm-hmm. and he's shown what has he done from left to right uh, versus lefties five hundred four OPS versus righty four hundred three OPS. I mean, and I know small sample, Rob. It's only two hundred mm-hmm. plus plate appearances, but you got to show something, yeah. right? I mean, however much you, you're you're jerked around per se, um, you still have to, when given a time to 
flash you know, something. Yeah, you got yeah, flash yeah. something. You know, he's going to be 26 years old um, in February. So I don't know at this point too. This is kind of it know. for him. This is it. This is yeah. it. And um, I don't know, man. I just I think that he's going to get this huge boost um, <laughs> in 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 ADP. And I get it. Like right now. It may be good because you'll see the ADP like, oh, he's going in the 700s. That's going to go flying up. Um, yeah. Someone in this next draft and a slow DC right now will take him in the 250s sinking. Oh, yeah. You know, um, there was a slow DC last night that I'm sure you, know, you don't even need to look. You just know somebody was like on the clock, yep. saw that move, and we're like, you know, let's ride. Let's do oh, it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> baby. Here we go. I got fucking Vince Coleman, you know? Like, no, we don't. Um, not happening. So I feel the same way about that. Uh, Jake Bowers moves from the Yankees to the Brewers for Jason Vina. Um, actually, nice nice little profile I saw on him on A-Ball. Like, not fantasy relevant this year, but um, I did like his profile when I was looking at it. But Jake Bowers to the Brewers. So they, they uh, non-tendered Telez. Which we'll get to the mm-hmm. non-tenders. Um, you know, he had some spurts with the Yankees. He was he was a very um, high uh, fab bidder of mine. I, I I was on him like multiple weeks where it's like, oh, he's hitting versus righties. He's hitting at Yankee Stadium, and barrel rate went smashing through. Contact rate is still solid, but he struck out like more than the profile in- indicates. So I was just like, this might be a nice little. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by this. I think Jake Bowers the most out of all the moves that we've discussed so far in terms of like opportunity wise and what he may may be able to do. I don't know if I'm just totally yeah. out of my. I mean, the opportunity, the op- at least as of today, and it seems you know it seems yeah. like the Brewers aren't going to be reminded. You know, you're right. As of today, November 18th, yeah. Rob, smarten the fuck up. <laughs> Just tell me that it's okay. <laughs> well, no, but the Brewers are. Cl- I clearly are not going to be adding a ton of salary, right? Uh, you know, so the opportunity should it's there on November eighteenth, and I think it's probably still going to be there on you know March eighteenth, April eighteenth. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, at first when this happened, I'm like in my head, I'm like, okay, I know Bowers had a little bit of a run because it was Yankee Stadium, and they were just kind of throwing him out there. And I'm like, all right, do I need to mentally get into my head that Bowers is is like, you know, a good player again. And I go and you look and I'm like, like you said, like the K rate just shot up, you know, last year compared to what it had been in his career. And I'm just kind of like, like, no, this isn't someone that I need to, to really care about. And he's, you know, he'll be useful. If he is their primary first baseman or DH or however they kind of, kind of slot things around there, he's definitely going to be usable. I'm just not, I, I don't want to, I don't want to roster someone that's going to have like average power at best with a two Oh five average or whatever it's going to end up falling in. I'm just not like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not. No, no, it's totally, that's totally fair, man. I mean, I, I don't, um, and you know, when I feel like a smidgen of excitement, it's like, you know, if this is the guy, well, the, that, the, yeah, the excitement is the playing time is he's, you know, yeah. and there's going to be, there will definitely be like moments this year where you're gonna be able to stream him for sure. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't think he should be like drafted in every fab league come March. No, no, I don't think, I don't think that'll be the case. Um, I think he presents a very good um, opportunity late in um, these DCs to, 
to scoop him up. He's got first and outfield eligibility. Um, right now, the ADP is at 730, I'm sure. Like, But if he, even if he lands in the 500, honestly, and you can get a guy who might get 400 plate appearances at first and outfield, I think it warrants, um, you know, obviously that K rate, like you said, shot up, but his his, his highest barrel percentage, um, you know, in his career was prior to that was five, uh, 6.6. It was 6.6, and last year was 18.7. Clearly, mm -hmm. like, the hard hit went from 37 to 48. So this – and obviously it was a clear intent to pull the ball through. I don't know if yeah. that was Yankee Stadium driven, but he – Probably like, a little bit, yeah. Probably a little bit. Um, But, you know, I, I think that – where he's going to end up in DCs, like I said, if he's, I think he'll go in like that 500 range. There might be um, some same thing that we'll discuss right now, all the good and bad about him. And also to the coach, right? There's no coach there yet. Mm -hmm. If it was, if, if council was still there, it'd definitely be a platoon, but we don't know yet, right? It could be yeah. a guy who just lets it ride. Um, but uh, I think definitely semi interesting. All right. So now we'll quickly talk about some, Players that avoided arbitration and signed one-year deals. We've got Ramon Laureano for one year, $5.15 million. Um, right now, he is currently going off the board at um, pick 510. Um, wow. as, uh, 393, 592 spread. So long the days of um, yeah, Ramon really. Laureano. And this is just draft champion ADP I'm mentioning, by the way. It's um, not, not mixed in with anything else. But um, I don't think he's a good player but at some point in a draft champions i think i pick 500 where you're like yeah 10 you know <laughs> 10 holders 10 yeah. steals you know like uh, not that bad but the profile is you know is, yeah it's a little it's a little surprising to see cleveland actually keep him as notoriously cheap as they are right so I, I do think that does lock in playing as much playing time as he can handle mm -hmm. but I think he's going to be he's going he's going to be added and dropped by half your league this year. I feel like yes, yes. You know he's just yes. going to be it's going to be matchup dependent. It's going to be roster construction dependent. He'll have some usable weeks, but I, I think that's kind of all this is. It is nice. It is nice to see that now we know that he is going to have a job. Uh, you know, a, yeah. a concrete. I mean, because Cleveland's not going to add too much more. You wouldn't think so. There's no risk of him really losing it to too many other people. You know, in that organization as it currently stands. So. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely, you know, he's not going to be going to pick 500 much longer, uh, I think, with this move. But it I'm still like, not, I'm not totally interested. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll wait for whoever drafts him to drop him and I'll try to pick him up if he has a decent, you know, week or two coming up. stretch, yeah, because the skills are just, I mean, pretty awful um, all the way around. Uh, I mean, I think we're just, the illusion of him like still being anything what he was in Oakland in 2019 again, which was the rabbit ball, right? So we have to keep that in mind. That only didn't affect home runs; it affected everything. Babbitt batting average. It was all super, super outliers. Um, you know, ten like ten ten in in 350 plate appearances is his average in the last three seasons, <laughs> and I think that's a good yeah. expectancy. Also, too. With the Guardians, um, looking at it real quick, uh, it seems like out of the last 11 righty starters they faced, he started six of them. So might even just be a half a platoon, right? On, yeah. And so, like, that's – you'll still get – maybe if he plays all the time, and, again, this is not baking in his injury history, 70% uh, 
60% of the playing time, you know, when he's healthy. So, um, but again, maybe at 500, yeah. you know, if you need an outfielder and you need some, some speed or whatever, you take a shot at him, but I'm, I'm just going to let other people yeah. deal with him. Like you said. Yeah. Uh, and I, I said, he wasn't much of a risk of a platoon, but now I look at things and I, I, I guess I just, I always forget my old straw exists and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> well, you know, he's probably going to platoon with Will Brennan. I mean, like, yes, so now yes. I, I might back off. I might even back off of that. Him being drafted in families. He's probably not going to, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how things shake out in the spring, but I mean, they're going to keep straw. You would imagine in center for defense. Quan's not going anywhere. If Manzardo, you know, if Manzardo really is going to break the club, but you've got him and, and Josh Naylor for first and DH at some combination. So, yeah. I, also, too, like, do yeah, you think they I, would I, ever I, revisit Josh Naylor back in the outfield? I don't think with his injury history. And, yeah. and, and I mean, now yeah. at this point, they don't have a need to. I mean, say right. what you want about say what you want about Loriano and Brennan and Straw. They don't have the need to right now, you know, right. with his injury history and stuff. And he's his bat is just so good it has to stay in that lineup you know yeah i know for the amount of times i've drafted him so far too i hope they don't i was thinking in my head like maybe two that's just like another option no i don't i don't think they will and even if manzardo doesn't doesn't break camp with the club he'll be up at some point yep which could then be maybe it's one of those things where you know brennan is the maybe probably brennan's the dh loriano's in the outfield manzardo comes up and then all of a sudden loriano's doesn't have as much playing time so Junior Caminero and Nolan Jones will look good on this lineup. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Santander. Anthony Santander. You think they couldn't oh, use him? They don't like those profiles, though, Randy. They don't like good outfielders. <laughs> <laughs> They've needed an outfielder for 10 years, and they just get rid of all the good ones. Oscar Gonzalez was their hope, and he failed everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just hit sixty percent ground balls, and but um, seems to match their their uh, their team build. But um, he's buried now. <laughs> uh, I wonder, like, how long too? Like, you'll get to see Valera and maybe Joensky Noel, right? I mean, those guys, you know, they they have to be knocking down the door or at least for like you know a trial run sooner or later. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go to DJ Stewart of the Mets signed a one year one point three nine million dollar. Uh, contract. They got rid of um, Daniel Vogelbach, and um, you know, I, I think the Mets are gonna have um, some platoon things going on with him. He definitely flashed at the end of the season, being able to handle lefties when he was put into the lineup versus lefties. Um, before I give my Met fan opinion, what do you think about DJ Stewart? You think it's just a flash in a pan? Listen, you you look at the rolling average graph and say, yeah, this is this is the outlier right here. This is not him. Or yeah. is it something that might I be frustrable? I think it's at least noteworthy that they kept him on with Bucks yes. not being there na- anymore. Yep. I mean, I, I kind of just assumed he was only there, you know, with all the other Oriole castoffs that Buck brought with him, you know, because – that's where I think him being brought back is really noteworthy, but you look at, you look at the team right now and they have like three outfielders on the entire roster. So this, this mm-hmm. team, this lineup is obviously not, is not ready. Um, they're not ready to play. I think maybe if they bring in like a, you know, whoever this year's Tommy fam is going to be for them, maybe he starts off his strong side or maybe he even has, depending on how things shake out DH kind of mostly to himself. Uh, Vogelbach is, is finally gone, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. 
it's it's nice to know that he's going to be on the team. I guess he can at least stay on the radar that way, knowing that he's going to be in the majors this year, most likely. But outside of that, I'm not. They're going to add, even if it's not going to be a big money outfielder. They they need to bring in another outfielder. Their team is not complete at this point, so yes. I, I still hold off hold off any kind of opt, you know optimism for Stewart at this moment. Yeah, um, I think the optimism, like you said, for like full time PT is definitely warranted to you know pump the brakes. It it definitely is not a final roster. Um, they they will you know fill in some spots here too. And also, if Mauricio um, gets to second base or or you know and and McNeil is needed in the outfield too, then you have to worry about that. But like you said, the DH is open, but I really like to see that just be mostly Vantos, not a platoon of him and DJ Stewart. Um, but Stewart himself, I mean, just really kind of surprised me last year. Like kind of a, you know, guy who always had some interesting skills. Um, mm-hmm. And then last year he just, was smashing everything. Obviously, he won't he won't keep up the home run per plate appearances of eleven in one eighty five. But he did hit twelve with Baltimore, you know, in in three three hundred and eighteen plate appearances. So he does have that There's pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ten percent career barrel rate is really nice. Um, yeah, I think. He, yeah, I think there'll just be someone to monitor. Like as soon as there's an injury there, yeah. then scoop him up. Then, but I, I, don't, I, just, I don't. I can't imagine him being fab. You know, drafted in a fab league. Yeah, right now he's uh, in draft champions. Hasn't even uh, there's 15 completed that are listed in on the site. Um, he's been only drafted in 11 of them. At average ADP is 671, and uh, as early as 487. But again, again, if you're starving for power, if you look at your team, it's like, man, I could, you know, I really need a power bat here. And those weekends, um, where your lineup starts breaking down in the middle of the season and he's got three righties uh, yep. in a good park. I think it's a good plug in. So I think where he's going right now, or maybe mm-hmm. that teams feel maybe drafters feel a little more confident now. How do you sign? Yeah, maybe again, 100% like hundred yeah. percent draft. Forward. Yeah. Yes. Going forward, he should be a hundred percent draft rate. And he, like I said, maybe if like he goes with like Jake Bowers range, like I'd say they both move up to the five fifties, 500. I still think these guys are good shots to get like, um, because you can't get full-time playing time at this range of the draft. So you got to take your spots, right? You got to take the, mm-hmm. those guys that have good platoon spit and that can give you a good weekend. It's really helpful. Um, last guy signed two, actually two guys, one team, the, uh, Oakland athletics, um, they're really uh, trying their hardest to at least make me not <laughs> like, you know, the Abraham Toro just is, is just going to always stay in my brain somehow. I just can't get yeah. rid of him. Um, but him and Miguel Andujar signed one year deals to stick with the club. They tendered um, Kevin Smith. So this just becomes more, uh, more reason to clog the infield with uh, retreads. But do you think Andujar or Toro can, can provide anything in like even a draft champions league? I think, Definitely. Um, they're going to, they have every opportunity to get PT somewhere at yep. one of the positions um, really outside of second base. So I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just something to monitor, especially once spring rolls around who's, who's playing more, who's producing. Um, Cause they've, they've got play appearances to, to go around there for sure that are open enough for grabs. So I don't, they're going to, I think again, they will be usable in season at different points. Yep. I don't see, I'd have to look and see what their schedule is, you know, to open up right. Oakland's. But outside of that, I, I can't imagine them being drafted um, in a family, but they could, they could be somebody that you're picking up, you know, early in the season because they're hot and they're playing every day. And another one of those guys that'll probably be cycle on and off, you know, half the teams in a given league. But yep. 
also too like um definite dc picks i mean right go, go for go yeah, for yeah. it in a dc yep um i think anduhar too is almost like the same not the same but um a similar he's he's qualified for only outfield right now in dcs but it's very kind of brent rookerish to me where he's like had some high WRC plus in AAA, he's shown the ability to hit for power, you know, as a rookie on the Yankees. And maybe it's just one of those things, like they give him some volume and he might be able to perform for you. I mean, even last year in the main majors with Pitt, he, he showed, you know, that he could still hit some, hit the ball hard for four homers and two stolen bases and 90 plate appearances in AAA. He had 16 homers, five plate appearances. Um, so, I think this is might be a sneaky little pick. He's only struck out 16.5% of the time in his uh, 1,120 plate appearances. Decent profile. Um, I like this scoop up for the A's. I think that this one, um, even at even at worst, will be a platoon with, like, let's say, Seth Brown. Right? I could see like a Seth Brown right field platoon right now with him and Andrew R., which would suck for Seth Brown, too. I just think that he's hit better. I think he hits lefties better than – he's shown, but he's also going to be 32. So he's, uh, yeah, I like this spot. And Toro too is like another guy who teases you mm-hmm. in and out, but I think I'm a little less I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, be all over this, be all over him right. having a free runway to playing time, but not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Um, yeah, I'm a little less excited about this mostly because like, it's just Jordan Diaz, a lead Diaz. It's Toro, you know, it's like, uh, they, they're going to run these guys around. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like it, but I like I like Andujar. I'll stick to Andujar. Um, all right, non-tenders. Let's hit the two or uh, two Brewers right now. Brandon Woodruff hits the road, and Rowdy Telez. Um, Brandon Woodruff was a tough one. I know people are like, oh, they could have signed him to a deal, and I totally get that too. But the Brewers are so cheap. I think if this is any other team, they do a smart thing. They they honor what he's the talent he is and what he's done for the club, and give him a year to rest. Right, get him like a a nice deal that rewards his stature of arm, but the Brewers are just not going that route. Um, what do you think? Yeah, about- they're just being cheap. Yeah. I mean, being cheap. there's really no other <laughs> way to spin <laughs> it. I mean, it's just kind of s- sadness all around, you know, with Woodruff and Rowdy getting the, I mean, Rowdy's, I mean, they gave him plenty of opportunities over the year. I'm not going to say that that's that so much, but the Woodruff thing's just kind of, it's just shitty, man. I mean, why? Why would if you're an, if you're a major league player and you have any kind of say at all in your future, why would you want to play for that? Right for that organization. I mean, if I they're going to treat you know one of the phases of their franchise and all star caliber you know pitcher, and they're just going to be like, well, it sucks that you're hurt. You know, you got hurt because we were you know trying to make a playoff push. But yeah, too bad. And you know, enjoy enjoy trying to you know fight for scraps out there. I mean, I think he's whoever signs him obviously is going to give him more than a one-year deal. You wouldn't sign him just to rehab. It's either going to be like a two-year right. deal or like a one-year deal with some kind of team option, mutual option, something, um, you know, which isn't, which isn't uncommon. We do see that, you know, throughout, through around the league when guys do get injured like this, but it, it just really sucks. Really sucks for them to treat, it, to treat Woodruff like that. And then Rowdy will just kind of have to monitor where he ends up. I mean, the powers, we know the, we know the capabilities there just for whatever reason, he just can't seem to put it together for, for a full season. So I, I, is it crazy that I would rather, I mean, I don't, I'd have to look at what the money difference is. I would just still rather have Rowdy than Jake Bowers. I mean, I don't, am I crazy? Um, 
I don't think so. Maybe the multi-eligibility of Bowers being able to go into the outfield is yeah. a little different. Um, but, you know, I was looking at Rowdy, you know, it's like looking at his swing rates, you know, he just like doesn't, doesn't swing, right, a lot, um, especially in the zone two. And got me like, let me look at um, the like team, team things. And the Brewers too on really didn't swing much as a group. Uh, especially in the zone. I don't know if that's a philo- like a team philosophy thing. They were third, uh, third lowest zone swing rate. Um, I don't know. It just seems like it affected Telez too because he just zone swing was fifty five percent. League average is sixty five, so he needs to swing to be able to use his skill set. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, right now, I, I'm off Telez uh, and and. and until he signs, I'm not yeah, going gonna... to speculate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, Would you, I if I think too? No. Yeah. That, I don't think, I he... think he'll, yeah, get sorry. No, I was just saying, I don't think Rowdy's in danger of like going to the KBO or Japan or anything. Right. I, I, someone's, I, he might be, I just feel like, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I need to like reassess in my head what <laughs> I think of him <laughs> as a player, but I just like, you know, like, all right. So like DJ Stewart, like if, if the Mets would have, um, non-tendered him, I'd be like, okay, there's de- a definite risk. He's not in the majors this year, but I just, I don't view Rowdy that way, but maybe I need to maybe I need to reassess things. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure he'll latch on somewhere in the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, that's definitely the lowest side of uh, of of him being, um, you know, of his value is him finding a non-job somewhere else. What about all the rest of the non-tenders here? Which one do you think is like the most kind of uh, noteworthy or exciting in some? You got Vogelbach, Kyle Lewis, Nick Senzel, Dominic Smith, Spencer Turnbull, Austin Meadows, Juan Yepes. Uh, Dakota Hudson, anybody here kind of um, like either surprise or any kind of reaction on yeah, any of players? I, I'd want to see where Turnbull ends up. If he ends up in, there's, you know, obviously a handful of organizations that if they signed him, that would definitely pique my interest. Uh, Yepes is, I guess, another one on those, on that fringe of like, maybe he en- ends up not in the majors this year, but he's one that he's always been able to, always been able to hit. He offers, un, you know, unfortunately, no defensive value at all. And with mm-hmm. him, being the risk of short side, but if he ends up on a, if he ends up on the A's and has all the playing time he can handle, I mean, that's super interesting, but then he could also end up on like, I mean, is there uh while we're on it, is there like a DJ Stewart one, you platoon, you know, about to hit, about to hit the Mets, but, oh. like that, but <laughs> I just feel like he's always been able to hit. There's just no, from a real life standpoint, he just offers just such a replaceable skill set, but. Yes, I, I've got my eye on those. I guess those probably the Sinzel, Sinzel, Dominic Smith. I mean, they're they've are they're at least major league players. If they end up in the right situation where they've got playing time, that could be that could be interesting. But I think I think Turnbull. You know, I don't I don't care where Dakota Hudson ends up. Like I'm not interested. Yeah, the Rays could sign the Rays could sign Dakota Hudson, and I'm just I'll be like, all right, I need to see like. <laughs> I need to see it. I'm not Get just going to blindly trust them there. But if it was Turnbull, <laughs> Turnbull ended up with the race. I'm like, hey, yeah, what the hell? I'll take him. I'll take him in the bench rounds. But I would agree. Turnbull out of these guys gives me the most. Um, where where can this guy go? You know to. Um, possibly get the most out of his skill set. I mean, um, K percentage of his career, 21.3, not too shabby, you know. Um, the walk rate's mm-hmm. a little high, 9%, but uh, good swing and strike. Um, got some decent pitch mix. Um, i definitely like to see where he ends up. He mm-hmm. kind of always been a guy that's been on my radar. That 21 season was really nice for the Tigers before he got hurt. But, um, 
yeah, I think he's definitely interesting. Senzel, I think for that multi-eligibility is, is someone that'll always be on my list. And for, you know, some of his skill sets is, uh, is intriguing, but yeah, I mean, third base outfield, Nick Senzel, 582 right now, draft champions. And I think that a lot has to do with him still being a red. The, so the weird one with Turnbull was they, it was actually, it was in, it was in mining the news. I'd have to pull yeah. it up exactly. I don't want to, uh, they screwed with him. Pretty... I don't want to want to misquote the quote, but like, I feel like, hold on. Yeah, He's also uh, had some quotes where he came out and wasn't really happy with what they did with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so on on Zimmerman's last one, or not last one, on 1017, uh, there was, you have an exit ex- interview with Spencer. We expect him to prepare as a starter this offseason and show up ready to compete for a job in our rotation. I mean, what happened in the last three weeks like <laughs> for that to happen and then the other interesting one there was like how the general manager hasn't talked to austin meadows in months that was i mean he was that's crazy how it's are you not, not like how, with him going through what he's going through how do you mental not talk to him in months that statement drove me nuts because <laughs> i 100 percent right randy it's like this guy is going through it right and yeah. you've given him the ability to go through it but like that was such an ignorant yeah. like unless they know. just like i mean it is a different scenario that his brothers on the team so maybe they just like check in with him via parker meadows uh, but even still you'd think they'd want to just reach out like i don't know yeah the crazy thing with turnbull last year too is like they option like they optioned him the triple a then he didn't report to toledo then he got placed on the il with a quote-unquote neck injury and then he hired scott boris as his agent <laughs> he was like <laughs> such a crazy turn of events for him and uh, i don't know he's also made some other quotes that i can't find right now um about how he felt about the team and how they handled him so there was clearly some um you know uh dissension there between the two uh team and the club so um but cool, man. Uh, this was a good blast off through the news yesterday. I think we mm-hmm. covered it well. I do want to get you back one day, too, to go over mm-hmm. uh, the Baltimore Orioles ADP. Um, we got some, point. unless you got to go, I can knock a few of those out now. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, yeah, yeah. let's run through it because I feel like this team, just real quick before you hammer them out, yeah, I yeah. feel like the Orioles are such an interesting team right now for ADP. Um, I've been doing this new thing where I've been kind of looking at, you know, team rosters, team team construction, and then looking at their ADP. And there's like guys like Santander, right, who just like consistently provides what you want and he doesn't move in ADP. Uh, but then you got a guy like Cedric Mullins who's been falling, you know, uh, way, way down on the ADP this year. So highlight the, the – some of the ones that you think about, I think people also maybe want to hear what you think about Jackson Holiday, and I, you know, I think you've already alluded to the fact you think he's going to be up from the start. But pick, pick whoever you want to highlight here on the Orioles, and we'll talk about him. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, I'm sure I try to separate, you know, my fandom from, you know, my fantasy play, but I really do think that Holiday is going to break camp with the club. I think this is a team that's not going to spend a ton of money. You know, I could rant forever about, you know, how ridiculous uh, John Angelos is and how every time he, every time he speaks, he makes the fan base more and more angry. Uh, I think because of, I think because they have to just find every edge they can, you know, like we talked, like we talked about, you know, with, with Carol and Henderson, them getting this extra comp pick, you know, for rookie of the year. I think they have every incentive now to, to do that going forward. 
um, with Holiday. So I do think he's going to break camp with the club. I think there's, I really think there's a trade here though. I think with the amount of, if you just, just look at the roster, the outfielders that they have with only so many spots to play them, they have essentially, if you're looking at the next like three to five years of the Orioles, you've got Gunner and Jackson on a short and third, and you've got three guys for second base. And one of them's got to go, you know, Ortiz, mm-hmm. you know, Norby. I don't think it'll be Westberg. I think because he's, he's clearly major league ready now. He's not, not a star or anything, but he's already a replacement level second baseman as a rookie. So they're going to keep him there. But I think one of those two compared with an outfielder, maybe two of the outfielders. And I'm t- when I say the outfielders, I'm assuming like an Austin Hayes would make a logical trade candidate to try to get some pitching in here. I, I don't think it's going to be Mullins um, because of the center field aspect. Hayes can kind of fake it in center, but I don't think you want him being the center fielder for, for six months. And Santander is just, he's, he's their, you know, second or third best hitter, however you want to look at it. So I don't see him going anywhere, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hayes ends up getting traded and kind of clears things out, which is just going to make whoever's left over between like Kowser and Kerset. It's just going to make their ADP skyrocket. Um, I could see that happening. And as far as their current ADP um, goes, I don't, yeah, I don't get it with, with Santander. It's like, he just keeps producing and it's like his ADP like almost goes down. You know, he was the, was he like hitter number like 50 last year on the player Raider 51, something like that. And you look at the projections, you know, the bat, the bat loves him steamer, you know, you run it through SGPs and he's, he pops and I don't, I don't get it. I don't know if it's that like, this doesn't happen too often where a rule five hitter becomes a, you know, a really relevant major league player. But I almost wonder if that's some of the bias, the fact that he was a rule five pick and they kind of essentially phantom IL'd him for like two years just because they yeah. wanted to hold on to him. So I don't right. know if that has to do with, do with anything, but I mean, he just screams as like a buy, like uh, yep. it's, it's a little bit more of like team build, but I don't know. Like, the like just the, so, so the gladiator that you and I are in right now, why is there a four round difference between Santander and Schwarber right now? I mean, for the 12 home run difference, but to also lose like 50, 60 points of batting average. I don't, yeah. I don't get that. I mean, unless you almost kind of build your, build your plan around Schwarber. Um, you know, you're yeah, talking think- about like a, like a Lane Thomas, like Lane Thomas is good. You know, you had your, your breakdown of him on the Patreon side this week. I, I think, I think Thomas is legit, but I would still, I would rather still rather have Santander. The skills are comparable ish. You're going to get better batting average from Santander and the lineup's obviously way better. So to answer, I, I don't, other than just keep taking Santander as he falls, I don't really know what, what the reason is for why his ADP doesn't seem to go up. Especially since too, like right now the you know, because stolen bases are everywhere and I know you need more of them, but they've kind of devalued, specific players and how they contribute to your overall team and like maybe makes power a little more and more important. And he's just hasn't been, hasn't been stressed to a guy like Santan there who continue like shows that he's just a, mm-hmm. a consistent power hitter, you know? Yeah. And Mullins, I, I mean, he was going well, the last couple of years. He's been a second, third, you know, yep. fourth round pick. I, in this gladiator that we're in, I took him in the sixth, his ADPs, you know, kind of in that range, you know, I texted you, I took him over Brian Reynolds because of the start that I had. I just felt like I needed that speed chance. I took Vlad and I took uh, Will Smith 
But I think in most scenarios, I would probably rather have Reynolds. But I, I don't know, man. If, when Mullins is healthy, I mean, we've seen it. He has the potential to put up a, you know, borderline first round production um, yeah. if he can if he can stay healthy. And I, like I said, I really don't think he's at he's at risk to get traded. And if you look at the and if you kind of look at how this roster could potentially be shaped up, especially if Hayes is traded out, he may drop in the order against lefties, but they don't have a super obvious platoon mate if Hayes is gone because you would find either whether it's Ryan McKenna, somebody else to platoon with like, let's say it's Kalzer and left, but they're not going to have anybody really obvious to platoon with Mullen. So I think the playing time is actually assuming they make a trade to get Hayes out of there or whoever. I actually think the playing time is going to be a little safer, even if the order spot is flipped between righties and lefties. So I think he's, if he's going to stay going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, it's a, it's a good spot to be grabbing him at. It's interesting. I mean, he had um, March, March through May, eight home runs and thirteen stolen bases. You know, he got mm-hmm. off to a yeah, steaming start. He was he was on fire. Even it's mm-hmm. just, but then like his whole half, you know, his whole first half in general was you know eight homers and thirteen stolen bases. So mm-hmm. he got. Um, do you think like maybe the injury was there before? Like it, it, it kind of forced him to the IL, and then he just couldn't recoup it after. I think he came back. I think he came back too soon. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. I, I I'm trying to remember exactly what the I'm trying to remember exactly the yeah you know, the season's so long. I'm trying to remember exactly what the roster looked like at the time. But I think someone else was hurt. I think it was when Mountcastle was going through his thing, and I think they kind of rushed him back a little sooner than then maybe they would have liked almost out of necessity. And because they were, you know, every game was so important to try to win the division. I think they did yeah. kind of rush him back a little bit, but yeah, when he yeah. was out, um, they also had Hicks was out too. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause they signed Hicks to, for the first time when he went down and then Hicks went down and right. So, so they needed, uh, they need some outfielders there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it, you know, with Mullins too, it's just the thing with the whole versus lefties thing. For the second year in a row, versus lefties in the second mm-hmm. half, he lost PT, and mm-hmm. that just, I guess, just warrants a little bit of, um, you know, hesitation. I guess, uh, not that I don't think like Ryan McKenna is a threat to steal his job, but I guess you know, in terms of yeah. volume, and he also too. I guess a, a big piece of it too is him not even batting at the top of the lineup versus righties anymore because Gunner mm-hmm. and Adley just took that over, rightfully so. So yeah. Um, but I just yeah, remember I, too, like he batted a lot of fifth and sixth. But mm-hmm. there's an article last year Jeff Dimmerman had on Fangraphs too that showed um, how the sixth spot in the lineup had this odd, like high percentage of uh, stolen base attempts. So maybe they found that too, like that's like almost yeah. like a re- like a spot in the lineup to like you know have your your second half of your leadoff hitter, you know? Yeah, I think against righties, you'll see him in that spot. And then against lefties, he might be hitting, you know, eighth. I mean, McCann plays a decent bit against lefties because that's when they'll use to DH Adley. You know, we'll see how the roster construction looks this year, if they're still able to kind of swing that. But hitting, you know, eighth or ninth against lefties. But as long as he's in there, I think whoever, I think if you're skeptical on Mullins, you just kind of need to look and see what the roster looks like come March. If if it's McKenna and there's a Hayes trade, and there's like Sam Hilliard, they claim Sam Hilliard and then tendered him a contract. So I think they do like him as a bench option. And maybe they see kind of maybe what they, you know, they obviously saw something in Ryan O'Hearn that made him like a, like a really early priority to claim this time last year. So maybe they kind of view him that way again, but Hilliard's a lefty. So there's no, there's no platoon there. So as long as they don't bring in, you know, like bring back Hicks or bring in somebody in that realm, 
I don't I don't have any any reason to think that Mullins is going to be like fully platooned. His batting order spot will just will just fluctuate a decent amount. Right. Um, yeah. 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 You, oh, no, I was going to say like for um uh for Hayes. I, I, I yeah, think talk to me he about makes, Hayes, man, because I really I've always liked Austin Hayes. Yeah, I still I think his skill set is like really really solid. He makes the most sense to trade if you're getting starting pitching. Okay. You know, for all the reasons we just lined up. Santander is a better hitter. Mullins is a better defender and center. You have Kowser and Kerstead on the way. Um, Kowser can definitely play left. There's some debate on how good of an outfielder Kerstead can really be, but they can they can figure that out. Um, if depending on where he gets traded, I don't think you he's a good enough major league player that he wherever he gets traded, he's not gonna in most scenarios be like a bench player. So I don't think you're at risk of losing playing time. I just don't know how the last year was just is a lot of runs of really high BABIP. And but you're gonna see most places that he's gonna be traded is not gonna is gonna be a better park for him to hit in. He's not gonna have you know the huge wall uh you know to try to hit the ball over. Um but I think he's also very good defensively in left field. That's the one thing that the Orioles with reshaping their park they need a they need a plus defender in left field now uh, with all that ground to cover and that wall to play so but i still think he makes the most sense to be traded if you made me if you made me bet right now i don't think he's on the team uh, really the yeah okay okay just, oh. they've got this situation with all these guys these outfielders these second basemen and this just gaping hole in their starting rotation that would could be filled by you know, like a Corbin Burns. I mean, the, the Brewers are going to keep being cheap. I mean, can we get Corbin Burns into Baltimore? Right. Or even like, yeah. you know, say what you want about Cease. I mean, get Cease in Baltimore. You know, let let him be with an organization that's a little more, a little more data driven. And then plus, he has you know that advantage. You know, the advantage with left field. You know, right field isn't obviously going to be good for him. But I think he would just be. He was somebody that would benefit so much from a change of change of scenery, whether it's coming to Baltimore or not. No, but I, I, I think that's what they want to do. I think they want to sign a couple of relievers, which kind of brings me to Cano. I would be, I, I think the Orioles right now are hoping their plans, if their plans go to order, Yenier Cano will not lead the team in saves. Okay. I think they, it's, I think it's kind of rare. I, I feel like in today's, in today's world for a general manager to like say they want a closer, like a closing experience kind of thing, preferably. But Elias said that. You know, this offseason, um, you look at some of the options. None of them are like amazing. They're not going to sign Josh Hader. Um, but between signing or trading, I just I don't I don't see it with. I mean, his first half was amazing. His second half, he was so good. He's still a good reliever. But I just his profile is just not of his closer. He doesn't miss enough bats. And I think we saw that Hyde loved just having the ability to go to Bautista last year. And he thought Cano could fill that. And then the last like was like week and a half of the season. Tyler Wells was essentially the closer again. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that should be interesting. He's, I mean, he's sneaky for, for gladiators and, and for DCs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a chance he's in the rotation. Um, he's good enough to be in the rotation, but he's also shown them now that he has the ability to fall back on being a very good high leverage reliever for him. So mm -hmm. I think he's gonna, he's one of those like swing guys that he's going to have value. You just don't know where it's going to come from, depending on how they how they fill out this rotation and how healthy he is in spring. But he they they like him as a reliever, and he's he's very good at it. Um, 
but I don't, I, I think Cano, like we're talking about MacArthur. I think Cano because of the price right now, it might honestly might even be a worse pick. Um, really? Than MacArthur. Okay. I mean, around 11 and a guy might get, I, I, I honestly think if, if things go, this offseason goes the way the Orioles want it, Cano will not be their closer. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So real quick then just, I'll say I'll say a reliever, and you tell me if you feel comfortable with them being the closer on the Orioles over, like, over Cano. Yeah, yeah, or or just in general, even in the context okay. of of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, them saying we want a closer with experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, David Robertson. Yes. Dylan, Flora? I, had to think for, I had to think for a second, but yes, no, yeah, no, no. no. Um, I, I'd rather have Cano or Flora. Will Smith. No. <laughs> Uh, the, only thing that made me pause, the only thing that made me pause was a lefty, a lefty with the right. wall. I mean, I'm right. Just like, eh. right. No, that makes sense. Um, Ronaldo Lopez. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> which one am I um, getting? Which one? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> the, the good Lopez. Um, yeah. These two guys, I think, are the most interesting Maybe and maybe the best option, but Craig Kimbrell or Jordan Hicks? Hicks, yes. Kimbrell, okay. not preferably. Not and I don't preferably. know if they would go this. I, I could see. I don't know that I would love this, but I think with you know, so there's still a lot of Houston ties here in Baltimore. I don't think it's crazy that Naris is an option if they miss out on some of their top targets. Mm. And I'm not even saying he would close, but I just think he's definitely going to be on their radar. Um. He doesn't have closing experience, but I could definitely see them going after like a Robert Stevenson type. You know, he was just so good with the Rays in the second half. I mean, I, I think a really smart team is going to sign Robert Stevenson. I'm not saying they're going to make him a closer, um, but they're going to sign him and put him immediately into like a high leverage spot. Um, okay. Or maybe, like I said, if they whiff out on somebody with, you know, capital C closer experience, they just add a couple of guys and and kind of let him battle out in the spring. But I, I just, there's a, there's definitely a world where Cano leads the team in saves. I just don't think that's what they would want if this offseason goes according to plan. That's so fair. for like around, around 11, around 12, Cano, I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because like David Robertson, um, skill set didn't change from 2022, 2023. It actually even got mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. better. Um, yeah. I, I, I would, t- the only thing again, that worries you with Ro- that makes me hesitate with Robertson is the age. I mean, at some point right. the cliff is coming. And if you give me the Robertson from the last two years, hundred percent, put him right yep. there on the ninth. But um, there is definitely at least that little bit of risk with his age. Um, Cause he's, he's 40 now, right? Or he's going to, uh, he is 38. He'll be 39 in April. Okay, yeah. so thirty nine so, opening yeah, day. I he's mean, up there. He got yeah. ten million dollars last year, one one year contract. Um, he, that was coming off a twenty save season at a two point four ERA and a seventeen point four K to walk last year, nineteen point seven K to walk, eighteen saves, three or three ERA. But he had that, you know, collapse. You know, with the Marlins, that was. I think there's more hyper um, focused than usual mm-hmm. because they traded for him and he he didn't yeah, do as well. In. And yeah, some of it yeah. was like just you know a couple a couple hits that fell that weren't falling in New York, you know, yep. just over, over the course of the season. And it just happened to be like, right when he got traded, there was when he hit a, yep. hit a streak of bad luck. So, yeah. 
yeah I, I yeah i think that's and that's like probably something that's like won't be as expensive as you know going after um a hicks and also can be something that if it doesn't work out you know you still have a canoe or wells or whatever that you can go to um i i think um getting back to the hitters real quick one guy is like Heston Kerstad is like really interesting. I think that very do you yeah. how many plate appearances do you envision him getting this season? How about this? Three, More three, or less 350? Okay, 350. Wow. Okay. So yeah. So that's I mean, for him getting picked. I think he's I, I think he's yeah, I think he's most likely gonna start the year in the minors. Um yeah. but again, I mean if he matches in spring and Kowser and Kowser's not, um, you know, I, players have had way worse starts to their careers than Kowser and been fine. Hundred um, percent. Right. But you know, obviously, it's it, it happened. You know, you can't you can't just completely ignore that his that his first trip around the majors wasn't good. Uh, but I, I think Kowser definitely offers more defensively than Kerstead. You know, there's definitely a debate whether Kerstead's an outfielder um, long term, or if he's just going to have to be like strictly DH. But I mean, you couldn't you know, for the changes that they did to the park in left field, you couldn't build a better hitter in the lab for, for right field in Camden yards. And I think they saw in the, the couple of bats that he had this year in the majors, you, you know, you saw that. So I, I think there's O'Hearn did too much for them to just kind of cast him aside. No, no. If yeah. He turns, if he, if he turns back into a pumpkin between him turning back into a pumpkin, maybe they don't do the trade like a Hayes or Kowser trade um, in the off season. Maybe they have to wait and do it in season. Eventually, especially I would think by the second half, Kerstad's going to be playing most days, um, but I don't, a lot's going to have to, I, especially right now I'm, I'm forecasting a trade, you know, like if you're drafting today, I don't know how you can really take him there because the trade hasn't happened. I can, you know, I can wish a trade for, you know, Burns or Cease or whoever all I want. And the front office can want to do that all they want, but it hasn't happened yet. So as you're yeah. drafting it today, that's kind of a that's a that's a spicy meatball to be taking him there when he might spicy meatball, <laughs> baby. He might be spending half the year in AAA. Yeah, I think that definitely gives me concern, especially since they, uh, you know, I wouldn't put too much eggs in this basket, but especially since they signed Sam Hilliard too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's gave me a little more hesitancy, like because I like Hostad, I like his profile, but <clears throat> I. I it's like, oh man, it's just, I think Hilliard just... is there. Okay, we can't trade Hayes and like open something up for one of the other guys, but we want them to get regular at bats. I think Hilliard, I think that might be their their view with Hilliard. Or again, like he could be like, oh, her insurance at DH, if you know, or get Santander into DH and let Hilliard play the outfield. But if you look, it's very interesting though. I, I'm very interested in what they did with O'Hearn, you know, like he. he became a totally different hitter um but also too like i just brought up their um o'hearn and sam hilliard from uh pre last year and a lot of things are the same they have the same swing decisions like zone swing and o swing are, are pretty much identical um contact is 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 the biggest difference o'hearn made a lot more contact but um in terms of like output K percentage, walk percentage, um, stack cast stuff. They're a very similar player. And I wonder if they see something that mimics like what they changed on Hearn that they could change in Hilliard. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Cause I know these teams are very 
into you know specific player evaluations and you know pointing to things that they could change in somebody that might make them a, a way better value than what they're going for. And I don't know if that's something that they see in Hilliard, but it's it's very similar. It's very close. Their profiles are pretty close mm-hmm. to their you know to their history. So I wonder if they get something out of him that we haven't seen yet. But it should be interesting. They signed Mateo today to a salary for this season, one year for two point seven. So he's still hanging around, just more depth to their team. Yeah, he's it's just a loaded yeah, he's team. Be a utility yeah. player. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, yep. I wouldn't. I don't think it does anything to Jackson Holiday or to or to Westberg. What's your um? What's your uh? Home run stolen base projection for Jordan Westberg this year? Is he a fifteen fifteen guy? Uh, I was going to go a little higher on the power, a little lower on the speed. I was going to say maybe okay. like 18 and 8. Okay. that uh, I think that's fair. It definitely seems yeah. like he's less inclined to run as much. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I do think it's nice that he definitely has some center field, right center field power. Yeah. No, he, he definitely does. He definitely does. And I, I he's got a clear uh, – He diff- um, let me check it now because I remember in season it was a clear lefty-righty split he had to. And, yeah, it was – Mm-hmm. 786 OPS versus lefties and 676 versus righties. So mm-hmm. um, definitely yeah. find some time versus. And I don't, um, I don't, I think he's going to have every opportunity to probably win an everyday job. Win it. Yeah. Um, Arias is another one. Arias is another one that could be traded. Um, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think it's like a, a definite that needs to happen, uh, but he, he could definitely be traded, but I don't, I think any kind of like Adam Frazier type coming back in. Um, is, is probably out the window. They just, you know, you look at the you look at the roster. They just have so many guys. That's why I think a trade kind of has to happen this off season, you know, for a pitcher just to just. I mean, you can only have there's one second. There's one one person can play second base, you know. Then they got like four guys that could theoretically be playing second base in the next year or two. Same thing with left field and 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 whatnot. So, like I said, as a fan, I'm really hoping for a trade. But I think even if you're kind of projecting how things are going to look uh, in March, I think. I think this roster will definitely look a little different um, than it does today. Okay, so uh, quick, quick, quick fire um, ADP. You just tell me if they're going in the right spot or they're going too high or too low. Grayson Rodriguez, ADP 66. It's probably a little too high, but I love it. <laughs> okay, all right. I like it. But it's probably Rod- a little too high. <laughs> a little too high, yeah. Maybe like 10, 15 picks too high. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ryan Mountcastle, 223. I think it's a little too low, but not, not crazy low. Because um, they they did show last year that they will platoon him if, if things aren't going right. So right. Probably I do right. think, I yeah, I, I, I think I echo the same thing. I think it's a little too low, but it's probably right given the context of him maybe not realizing full, you know, PT. Um, and I guess it's he, not crazy that he's the one they trade either. It wouldn't be, they've talked about that's it. True. Past, so. That's true. That's true. Um, hmm. I mean, he just got he just hits the ball so freaking hard, man. And he mm-hmm. goes to a team that yeah. doesn't have that. Well, any mm-hmm. other team doesn't have yeah. lefty of like yeah, Baltimore. Exactly. Um, I mean, he's, he's just gonna smash. Um, Dean Kramer, three thirty-four. Uh I think it's like just about. It's right. fine. It's it's yeah, fine. It's I, it's I almost fine. wanted to say it's too. I almost wanted to say it's too high because I'm hoping he's. They have enough pieces that he's not in the rotation, but it's probably not going to happen. So it's probably right where he should be. 
Yeah, I think yeah, I I think that's right. He he's just a guy that picked up the ball every day, uh, every fifth day through, you know, and he'll get yeah. you some good volume and out of on the spot. He's frustrating because it does seem like he does. He had some he had some starts last year against really good lineups that you wouldn't oh. have even dreamt in using him, and then oh. he would have some like games against like the Tigers or whatever where he got his face Dude. kicked in. Very frustrating. You a hundred percent just nailed that because there's some like ah, oh, there's no way he's gonna. Uh, I think Toronto was the team yeah. um, that he consistent. Yeah, it was Toronto where I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm. So he he faced Toronto in May twenty um, first. Went five and a third, seven Ks, one earned run. Right, and um, then he had a stretch uh, with the Dodgers, Philly, and the Yankees, um, mm-hmm. and Houston, where. Yeah, he's just pitched way better than I yeah. thought he was. And then he came mm-hmm. up against the Blue Jays again. I'm like, nah, you know, I'm not going to sit him against the Blue Jays. And six innings, no runs, five strikeouts. And he's yeah. like, shit. Yeah, he definitely, yeah. he totally nailed it. He had so yeah. many of those starts. So many of those starts. But um, yeah. I, I mean, I just like the volume. 170 innings, 160 Ks. That's that's nothing to sneeze at in a draft champions. And I think oh, that – uh, yeah. And they'll need him. Um, they'll need him this year, even if he doesn't, you know, start the season in the five. I mean, they'll almost definitely need him. So, yeah, cool. Awesome, man. I think we touched on a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time out on yeah, of this course. wonderful Saturday uh, day. And um, yeah, so hope to have you on a couple more times in the offseason. I think, um, you know, keeping up with the news is something good. And yeah. Uh, mm-hmm talk some oc strategies too as that comes along as well but uh yeah man just say when thanks for coming along um anyone wants to find randy on the x machine randy what is your handle at At, randy haynes 22 you you h-a-i-n-e-s not h-a-y-n-e-s h-a-i we don't like we don't like those guys we don't like the wise. No, 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 no. Not here. Not here. Yeah. Cool, man. Randy, yeah. thanks a lot, man. Awesome talking to you. And uh, have a good weekend. You too, man.